Welcome to Famous with Kate and Liz. Happy Earth Day. Mother Nature, I love you. Oh, do we ever? We don't deserve, we do not deserve the beauty of Mother Nature. Can I just say it? We don't. Such a queen. (laughs) Such a queen. Such a queen. Oh, okay, you guys, we are here for a special uh, Earth Day installment of Famous. So we're taking a break from our regular Famous series to do a little dive into Earth Day and kind of showcase a couple famous tree huggers, if you will. Um, yes. Yes, we have, we have some, you know, I feel like this is, okay, like in elementary school, we went big on Earth Day. Right? Right? No one's into Earth Day anymore. Yeah, like, I don't feel like it's that big, question mark? Or, like, it's not, I don't know. I mean, maybe because I'm not in elementary school anymore. I don't, like, I don't know. Um, But I think everybody can remember participating in Earth Day activities of some sort. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because it was a big deal. And, like, you know, we are the children. We are the earth. Like <laughs> we all were so into it back then. And like there are, we're gonna get into it later. There are some celebs who are using their power for good with for Earth Day today and like, you know, forever. They're not children, obviously. <laughs> but we also need to learn about like the origin story of Earth Day, which I don't know, and you know, and you shared a little bit with me, and it sounds like a crazy ass story. And, um, so yeah, we had to do a special episode because we love the earth. Who doesn't? Yes. And Liz, do you have any standout earth day memories from years past? This is kind of how I wanted to start, start this episode with any, any fond memories? Like, do you remember anything? kind of like it's blurring between this and AIDS day maybe where we put red ribbons on things but <laughs> oh my god I, but I say think AIDS like, day. <laughs> I wish they also don't celebrate anymore like what the fuck um but I also think we probably picked up litter and drew some pictures so <laughs> that's coming back okay Yes, yes. I do remember, yeah, like drawing pictures of the earth. Like, here's mm-hmm. blue and green crayon. Draw the earth. And you're like, okay. Um, also, I feel like Arbor Day gets tied in a lot with Earth Day. Like, you know, plant a tree. Like, at your school, you might have, like, you know, every year, like, planted a tree or whatever. Yeah, um, well, I will say that I live in Sacramento, and our city tagline used to be City of Trees. And uh, because there's tons of trees here, they actually have more trees than Paris, France in Sacramento. And they are trying to plant a third more of trees than what they already have now to help with like the heat surface. So we are big in trees here. Oh, cool. I didn't know that about Sacramento. Good. I mean, I I feel like, yeah, there should be more trees. God, they're like completely ruining the Amazon. Like... So sad. Debbie Downer over here, but God, like for the rubber trees, and I I mean, it's just lungs of the earth, which are like, you know, the Amazon, just being completely destroyed thousands of acres like a day. It's crazy. Remember, like a couple years ago, crazy fires like they're in Australia and in the Amazon like it's so sad yes climate change yeah like literally people we need trees to breathe okay like what do you not understand about that seems so simple it seems so simple I know Um, okay you have to think about with like environmental action is like it's not something that you're going to achieve today it's the long term you know yes. so like you have to think about what's going to happen long term for your future generations and you still yeah. that means you have to care about people other than yourself which lots of corporations and rich Ugh. old white men don't so yeah I mean yeah don't even get me started on that yeah um so each year for Earth Day there's like a specific theme which I didn't really realize like I thought it was just like 
the earth was the theme. But um, so this year, today, is the 51st Earth Day. And the theme is Restore the Earth. So okay. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, which Definitely we do need, need to, to do restore. That. Like, and remember when this whole covid pandemic thing like happened and all the shipping was shut down and mm-hmm. and like there was there was images of like po- uh pollution over like china and i guess i think there's images of like actually like the whole earth um pollution was mm-hmm. just like cut down drastically yeah by just like seeing- a couple weeks worth of Stopping yeah. shipping and like no airplanes and no cars, uh, like, people going to work. Yeah. yeah, things were just shut down, and the earth was like, Oh my god, thank you so yeah. fucking much. Oh my god, oh yeah. My god. I remember seeing pictures of LA, which, if you've ever flown into LA, which I know you and I have, it's like disgusting because it's just brown. brown. Yeah, you can't even see the ground. You're like, Am I landing soon? They're saying we're landing in five minutes, and all I see is brown clouds. <laughs> yeah, but the the worst thing about that is that it is exponentially better now than it was like in the 60s. Right. It was black. Yes. Like black. There were plans to like cut a major hole into the mountains to like let the nastiness out but but yes it was like as soon as COVID hit it was like the earth was breathing again and I remember like everybody just saying this was like the break we all like mother nature needed you know we've all needed to take a break I mean obviously COVID was horrible and you know killed lots and lots of people but like the earth got to breathe again and rejuvenate a little bit and had a little break from human disgustiness. Yeah. And another great um, plug here is watching um, planet earth. Great show. Any of those kinds of shows where we're doing like panels and like everything's connected people. Everything's connected. If we ruin like one thing, it's all just like a spiral. We cannot survive without everything in mother nature and in, on earth. So oh, we just we need to, like, we do. We are earth we lovers. We have to do a special episode for the earth because the earth takes care of us. So we have to take care of her. That's right. So this is, I'm just kind of going to give you a little background to the origin story of earth day. So Earth Day is an annual event on April 22nd today to demonstrate support for environmental protection. So it was first held on April 22nd, 1970, and it now includes a wide range of events coordinated globally by EarthDay.com. So you can go there. And that was formerly Earth Day Network, I guess. Um, EarthDay.com or EarthDay.org. Sorry. I was just going to say, not .org. That seems like a contradiction. (laughs) It's .org. Um, And it includes 1 billion people in more than 193 countries. So, not uh, enough countries. It is a global (laughs) thing. And I think every year it does grow, which is great. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, let's keep it like, let's keep it going. So, the event that led to 70, I feel like it would have been. I don't know. That is a long time ago, but I feel like it would have started. But also not. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's also not like there was, Mm -hmm. there was this meme that was like, um, you know, in 1990, like the seventies were only 20 years, like from the nineties and we're already like 30 years from the (laughs) nineties or something. Like there was something that like literally blew my mind and I was like, oh, my God. Because, you know, like, in the 90s, people would be like, oh, I'm going to dress like I'm from the 60s for Halloween. And, like, now kids are like, I'm going to dress like I'm from the 90s. And I'm just like, oh, okay, that's not even that long ago. That was, like, 10 years ago. But really, yeah. it is way more than that. So, anyway. I think anyway, from that time, it doesn't feel like the 70s, 60s right. didn't feel that long ago. But it is. And yeah. so, I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, I know we've exactly. talked a lot about things on our podcast about things that have happened in the last 30, 40 years that are still resonating today with race and inequality. And so same with climate. Right. And a lot has changed. Uh, That's like a running theme. I feel like through every episode we do is like so much has changed yet. 
so little has Nothing changed. Has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like crazy. Okay, so this is like basically the event that led to the birth of Earth Day. So on January twenty eighth, January twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine, um, a well drilled by Union Oil Platform A off the coast of Santa Barbara, California, blew out. So more than three million gallons of oil spewed, killing more than ten thousand seabirds, dolphins, seals, and sea lions. So it's like an oil spill. Yeah, um, and as if you drive rock- across there, there's still big oil tankers out there today. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that um, whole area. A, yeah. Yee. As a reaction to this disaster, activists were mobilized to create environmental regulation, um, environmental education, and Earth Day. So among the proponents of Earth Day were the people in the front lines of fighting the disaster. So there's Selma Rubin, Mark McGinnis, and Bud Bottoms. Um, founder of they were the founders of get oil out so they were like you know anti-oil you know so um, Dennis Hayes he was the organizer of the first Earth Day Uh, he said that Senator Gaylord Nelson from Wisconsin was inspired to create Earth Day upon seeing the Santa Barbara Channel and the 800 square mile oil slick from an airplane so 800 square miles Mm -hmm. Oh Could you God. imagine, like, being in a plane and seeing that? Like, that's a life-changing thing, I would That's what it say. takes, is to see it from that level, too, to see the mass, right? Right, like, and you seeing can't it in person, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. like with war and anything. Like, oh, it's horrible, but unless you are actually directly affected by it, you know, like, we're like, oh, whatever, like, yeah, it's sad, live, live your life, like, whatever, you're not that affected by it, but... God, if you're the people in the middle of it, it's horrible, life-changing. So, um, so in 1969, um, at a UNESCO conference in San Francisco, peace activist John McConnell proposed a day to honor the Earth and to uh, and the concept of peace to um, first be observed on March 21st, 1970, which is the first day of spring in the yeah. Northern Hemisphere. So uh, this day of nature's, um, you know, whatever, was uh, it was sanctioned in a proclamation, blah, 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 blah. So they were like, okay, we're going to have Earth Day, March 21st, 1970. It's official. But a month later, Gaylord Nelson, who was the guy who flew over the Mm -hmm. um, oil spill, he uh, was, I don't know if I already said this, but he was... United States Senator mm-hmm. from Wisconsin. So he proposed the idea to hold a nationwide environmental teach-in on August 22nd in 1970, so the next year. Um, and he basically changed it from March 21st, which like, oh, the first day of spring, like that sounds perfect, yeah. right, for an Earth Day. But he wanted it to be like college students fully involved so he changed the date to april 22nd because march 21st is the height of like spring break for college spring break baby can yeah that's what i was just gonna say like no one's gonna celebrate the earth they're gonna go fucking trash things and be disgusting yes so so this guy was like super smart thinking well college students it's 1970 like there's oil spills people are like yeah get like there were student strikes this is like you know hippies every like this guy was smart to change it to april 22nd mm-hmm. so that's why it's now celebrated on april 22nd instead of mm-hmm. march 21st which is and a little smart of him not to do like april 20th because i feel like none <laughs> of the college students would have been <laughs> <laughs> mentally there for that one yeah, so they'd be at extravaganza they'd yeah. be at Amherst Center extravaganza yeah we know um so he hired a young activist Dennis Hayes to be the national coordinator and Nelson and Hayes renamed the event Earth Day um Dennis and his staff grew the event beyond the original idea for a teach-in to include the entire United States so more than 20 million people poured out onto the streets and the first wow. Earth Day remains the largest single day protest in human history. Oh, wow. I did so, not know. Yeah. That. Yeah. They That's were amazing. like. The yep. whole country, people came out and were uh-huh. like protesting and celebrating. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So key non-environmentally focused partners played major roles. And under the leadership of labor leaders, Walter Reuter, for example, who he's the United Auto Workers um, labor guy. Oh, okay. he, was, mm -hmm. he was like the most instrumental outside uh, financial and operational supporter of the first, wow. day, which is interesting. I'm um, so surprised by that with him being, you know, tied to auto and needing gasoline, you know. Yeah, but also bring back labor leaders mm -hmm. and unions. For yes. Okay. <laughs> um, according to Hayes, uh, without the UAW, United Auto Workers, the first Earth Day would have likely flopped. So wow. Nelson was later awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in recognition of his work. Uh, the first Earth Day was focused on the United States, like I was saying before, but in 1990, Dennis Hayes, the original national coordinator, um, took it international and organized events in 141 nations. And now we know that it's, I think, 193 countries. So wow, Good. growing. On Earth Day in 2016, the landmark Paris Agreement was signed by the United States, China, and some 120 other countries, and the signing satisfied a key requirement for the entry into force of the historic draft climate protection treaty adopted by consensus of the 195 nations present at the 2015 United Nations Climate Change Conference in Paris. Because um, it is a global thing. Like we all need to work together, you know, for this. <laughs> and for those a-holes who were like, oh, um, you care more about people in Paris than in the United States. No idiots. That's just where the treaty was signed. Yeah, okay. I can't. I know. I can't. Trump completely, you know, ruined that for us. But I think we're back in the good graces mm -hmm. with the Paris Well, agreement. California was like, we're just going to be part of still the Paris climate yeah, agreement. Yeah. So, sorry, we're Trump. We're still bye. going. Yeah. Like, you because we have to. There's too many people here and too many cars here. We have to or we're all going to yeah. die. Yeah, it's, I, think, I think California is, like, improving. I mean, right? It's like... They've improved, is, but they got to keep it going. Like it's they it's have got to. Yeah, like they've said that I I don't know what year, but in the next few years they're not going to be selling any cars that are you know using right. uh, fuel. It's just going to be like well, obviously I think that's nationwide. I think I, I hope think so. there's a law that's like in the next ten years or something. Like after. The next 10 years there won't be any cars in distribution that are like using all gas or something there's something i should look into that um okay so numerous communities um engaged in earth day week actions um which is an entire week of activities focused on the environmental issues that uh the world faces so you should really go to um earthday.org to find out like different things like if you have kids different activities there might be because it's like basically mm -hmm. a whole week now they they make it into so and it's um, not on, pollution it's like you know climate change wildfires like obviously droughts things that we're noticing are just happening more and more and more you know wherever you live I'm sure there's something that's being affected by right you know oh yeah absolutely issues. it's all it's yeah at anything that's happening in one part of the world does affect it's it's like has to somehow affect every other part of the world. It's impossible not to. Um, so on Earth Day 2020 last year, which was the 50th anniversary, over 100 million people around the world observed the um, 50th anniversary in what is being referred to as the largest online mass mobilization in history. So because okay. it was during like kind of that weird beginning part of the pandemic where, mm -hmm. you know, people still were like, are we ever gonna like be able to leave our houses and like do anything? So they yeah. they had like an online thing, which was great. Um, well, and that's cool that they had the largest in-person mobilization the first year, and then on the fiftieth year it was online. You know, so yeah. maybe not everybody's out in the streets, you know, protesting, but they all came together still to support. Right, right, and you can do. And I'm sure I have to imagine, like in New York City and like big cities, there's less just like garbage around the streets from less mm -hmm. people like don't you think they have to be cleaner oh absolutely absolutely the earth is breathing yeah 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 so um okay so I thought 
I would kind of give a little, this is like, it's kind of like a true crimey, different twist on Earth Day. But whenever I think of Earth Day, so I think of this guy. And, oh, I should say, I got pretty much all the information I just gave from Wikipedia. And everything I'm about to tell you about is, like, basically directly from a New York Times article. Um, So I'm going to talk about Ira Einhorn, who is dubbed the Unicorn Killer. And um, this does have to do with Earth Day. (laughs) There is a tie-in, I swear. It's not just me wanting to do, like, a true crime story, I swear. I love Um, a true crime tie-in to any day, so. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I I can't think of Earth Day without thinking about this guy. So um, Ira Einhorn was the darling of Philadelphia's counterculture in the 1960s and 70s. He was a charismatic. Darling of counterculture just sounds like such an awesome (laughs) But it's, like, such a New York Times, like. Right. Love it. Like. They would say. Um, so he was a charismatic and flamboyant personality. He preached peace, love, and environmentalism and became a sought after liaison in helping the city's civic establishment grasp the upheavals in society, which sounds great, right? That's great. So um, then his former girlfriend, Holly Maddox, who had left him, disappeared. And almost a year and a half later, the police found her mummified remains in a steamer trunk in his apartment. No. In his yeah. apartment? Oh, my God. Yeah. What's a steamer trunk, by the way? I, I think it's just one of those big trunks, big trunks that they used to, like, put yeah. on a steamer boat or something. Okay, I was like, yeah, yeah. Think about, like, trunk? yeah, the immigrants who would, like, travel with all their belongings, like, in one of those huge <sighs> trunks. Or like planes, trains, and automobiles, and how what's his name just lugs that trunk with him everywhere. And I always yeah. thought his dead wife's body was in it. But anyways. <laughs> oh my god, tangent. Yeah. Well, this lady's body was in this one. So um, okay, so Ira, in his apartment. How uh, God, I gotta look into this because I need to know more about how they were even alerted to going to his apartment to find this. I know. Well, I'll get it. I'll kind of get into it. I got okay. so um I'll shut Ira, up and let you tell the story. <laughs> take a seat, get comfortable, listen up. And any questions you have after, feel free to do your own research because this is interesting. There's lots of podcasts that are about this unicorn killer and, you know, you can search him. It's crazy. So Ira Samuel Einhorn was born on May 15th, 1940 in Philadelphia and graduated from the University of Pennsylvania in 1961 with a major in English. Um, He was a big burly man with a full beard and electric blue eyes. He was an early um, avatar of the counterculture steeped in consciousness raising, ecological awareness, and illicit psychedelic drugs. So he was like... Sounds like a fun guy. Yeah. (laughs) So he... Oh, this is funny. He dropped acid as early as 1958, which you're like, ooh, cool. Um, And later started a rescue service for people in the throes of bad trips. Um, He also taught a series of free courses, including analogs to the LSD experience. So he was like into that whole yeah, as mm-hmm. I say, he was on the bus with Ken Kesey, electric Kool-Aid acid trip. Totally. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, the village voice called him, quote, indisputably Philadelphia's head hippie and the yeah. city's number one freak. So he attracted a wide range of friends from the yippies, Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman to corporate executives and civic do-gooders. So he was kind of like a jack of all trades, like could you could put him in a room with anyone and he would win them over, basically. So um, this guy, Sam Katz, who was the for- he's a former Philadelphia mayoral candidate and entrepreneur, says of Einhorn, um, it was the age of Aquarius and the Vietnam War and the generation gap. And he was articulate and dynamic and very approachable. So basically, he became a bridge between the anti-establishment and the establishment. So okay. um, he was often speaking person- at. Yeah, he was speaking at, like, all these civic events, and everyone knew him. Like, if you were a hippie or high society, like, you you knew about this guy, and you've probably heard him speak. So, um, 
but his darker side and a monumental ego were emerging. So most notably, noticeably during the first Earth Day celebration in 1970, where 20 million people across the country gathered to draw attention to environmental problems, which we already know because I already said that. Um, so he was getting kind of like, people were like, okay, who does this guy actually think he is? Um, two environmental activists later wrote in an op-ed in the Inquirer that Mr. Einhorn had made himself unwelcome at organizational meetings in advance of Earth Day. And then at the actual event, he, quote, grabbed the microphone and refused to give up the podium for 30 minutes, thinking he would get some free television. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. He had ego. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So he, he kind of wanted to, you know, he was probably seeing these other people getting things done and was like, wait, I like, I've done all this stuff for Earth Day. So I want to be like up there as much as other people. So he later falsely claimed to have been the founder of Earth Day. Oh, so shit. we know Senator Gaylord Nelson. Yeah. From Wisconsin. He's like the actual founder and of Earth Day. But you could like prove that, too. So it's interesting that he right. was just like, I'm the founder. But he <laughs> obviously was telling he everyone was on else. Some like, LSD. <laughs> Yeah. Or, and, you know, he was probably telling everyone else, like, oh, yeah, like, everyone thinks this guy's the founder of Earth. Oh, right. I'm the mm-hmm. real founder of Got Earth, it. you know. That so he sense. was um, domineering with women and could become violent if he was rejected. So the news media reported that at one point he strangled a woman <gasps> until she was unconscious. Oh, my um, God. And another, he hit a woman over the head with a bottle. So this yeah, guy was I little... Mean- unpredictable he's dropping acid yeah Yeah. isn't that the way I feel like it always was though back in the 60s and 70s we learn about these great people like great men doing great things for society and then you're like oh but by the way they also were horrible to women like I I feel like I hear this all the time you know so yeah it was still like the 60s and 70s so keep that in mind Yeah, right, right. It, it's a whole complex. So, um, so as I said in the beginning, he, you know, this woman, um, mm-hmm. God, I can't think of her, uh, Holly, Holly Maddox. So she vanished, okay? Um, and, you know, he was, he was like with this woman and she was all of a sudden gone and he was just like, acting like nothing happened so he continued to give speeches and in 1978 he spent a semester at the institution of politics um at harvard's kennedy school of government so he was like at harvard you know who knows what he's telling people about oh his girlfriend i guess she decided to like leave him but then vanished but is he having to answer for anything probably not um and her family was like, okay, um, we like want our daughter to be found, (laughs) you know, like where is our daughter? And I'm sure he's not giving them any straight answers. So they hired a PI, a private investigator. And, um, by then neighbors started reporting a stench coming from his apartment and a dark liquid leaking into the apartment Ew. below. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the stench. Could you imagine you're like sleeping and dark liquid drips onto your face as you're like <laughs> that's like all I can imagine. Like you're just living your life in your little apartment in New York City and like next thing you know oh. you have to deal with a dark liquid yeah oh yeah God. so the police searched the apartment in 1979 and they found um miss maddox's decomposed body in a trunk in a closet and her skull had been fractured in at least six places by a blunt oh, object um so and of course like there's way more stuff about like who holly maddox was and mm-hmm. you know all well, that. that makes um, sense about why the police were called to his apartment because there was a stench and a dark substance coming through the walls and the ceiling. Cool. Got it now. So they couldn't find her. And then finally, yeah, this was reported. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reason they found her body. So a murder, a murder trial for Mr. Einhorn had been set for 1980, but he fled. So the Philadelphia district attorney. Yep. 
Um, the district, Philadelphia district attorney decided to try him in 1993 anyway in absentia, which is like pretty rare. Um, yeah. But they felt like we have to get this case to a close. Let's do it. Um, the jury quickly found him guilty and the judge sentenced him to life without parole. But he uh, still fled. Like, yeah. like they didn't. You don't know where he is. Yeah, they don't have him in custody. So the case continued to capture the public's imagination. And Mr. Einhorn had labeled himself the unicorn, which is the translation of his name in German. Einhorn is like uh, one horn unicorn. So he became the subject of a 1988 book by Stephen Levy called The Unicorn Secret, A Murder in the Age of Aquarius. Um, Investigators spurred on by Miss Maddox's family continued to search for Mr. Einhorn. Of course, they want to see this man brought to justice. So in 1997, they found him in a farmhouse in southwest France and negotiations over his extradition dragged on for four years. For you. I don't get that. Like, I don't get that. Like, why countries yeah. are like, oh, no, we'll keep you here when you're, like, disgusting criminal. That's like, I, France. Like, France. Come yeah. on. Hand <sighs> him over. So, um, NBC ended up producing a miniseries in 1999 called The Hunt for the Unicorn Killer, and he was finally sent back to Philadelphia in 2001. So, he was living this whole other life for, like, two decades in France with some... He was, like, married to some... Swedish woman or something like some woman who had like a bunch of money. So yeah. So 2001, he sent back to Philadelphia, Mm. 2001. Yeah. And as a condition for his extradition, he was granted a second trial during which he took the stand. He said that the CIA had killed Miss Maddox and planted her body in his apartment in an attempt to frame him because he knew too much about military research into the paranormal. So why would they kill her and not him? (laughs) Uh, If he's the one who knew everything. Yeah. Good question, Liz. Good question. (laughs) So he was, of course, found guilty and again sentenced to life in prison without parole. Um, And the parting thoughts of the people in the courtroom were not kind. A juror said that Mr. Einhorn had a God complex, which seems to check out. Um, The the uh, presiding judge called him an intellectual dilettante who preyed on people. And the district attorney, Lynn Abraham, said, metaphorically speaking, Ira Einhorn and his Virgo moon are toast. (laughs) Which, like, I love that you said that, like, in 2001. (laughs) Well, that took way too long to convict him. Justice is slow, for sure. Um, Yep. But But he ended up dying in prison. He was in prison. He died last year, I think, at the age of nine. Yeah. And and a lot of people thought it was he was one of the first like um, coronavirus Uh, in prison because it was like uh, it was like last year, like in April or something. So he, he, um, you know, it could have been. I don't think they were really like. Mm-hmm. Um, they really cared or like checked. They were just like, okay, this guy died. Oh. Like, whatever. He was but here for life anyway. It just sounds like Roman Polanski, who's been hiding out in France for decades, you know? So, like, why can't we like extradite him back? I don't know. It's, it's all, of course, political. And yeah, I will never, <laughs> we will never like truly understand what that's I all about. So, that's like me. Anything about him. So that is crazy. I mean, I love Earth Day. I love what he did, you know, obviously to help the Earth, but what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, he got, he took a turn there. And, um, you know, instead of being part of the team, I think he wanted all the credit for Mm -hmm. all this. And I'm sure he did do a lot of hard work and, you know, in the beginning. And, um, but yeah, like you said, it's a complex. It's a power complex. So even if you are doing good, you're loving the fame and the attention that comes along with it and the power and the control. And when someone gets in your way, whether it's, you know, usually a woman, they, you know, just disregard your life and it's disgusting. Right. And obviously he lost sight of what, you know, mm-hmm. what he was in it for 
in the beginning. So, so that's Ira Einhorn, the unicorn killer. Um, if you hear anyone say that he was the founder of Earth Day, you can correct them because he <laughs> was not the founder of Earth Day. He just fucking thinks he was. Oh, so he was just tripping person. on acid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just on a real bad like twenty year acid trip. Oh, no. So. Wow. Um, so that's that's my little Earth Day contribution. Um, I think so, it's yeah. good that you kind of set us up with a garbage human because I want to talk about some celebrities who are using their power for good so they are not garbage humans. <laughs> yes. Because Opposite. we know that there are a lot of, like, celebrity environmentalists, obviously, and, like, we love the earth. We love celebrities who use their power for good and their money for good. So I just wanted to do, like, a quick list of, like, a few top celeb tree huggers you know hey yes okay and I know the first one that comes to mind I think is the first person you're going to talk about yes Um, Kate who is the sexiest environmentalist (laughs) the sexiest environmentalist award goes to Leonardo DiCaprio right I think we all know I mean despite the fact that he's like a heavy smoker which I don't think is good for the environment yeah, I always wonder about that. Like people or or like um people who are like vegetarians or, or like super health conscious, mm-hmm. but then they like smoke cigarettes and you're like, I know it's like an addictive thing and it's like horrible, yeah. but like it's a okay. combustible product. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, Leo, love him. You know, he's always out there fighting the good fight. He is a regular at the annual People's Climate March, and he's produced, like, multiple documentaries about environmental issues. And he's an Oscar winner, so he's used his status, um, you know, to raise awareness. He also um, started a foundation back in 1998 to promote awareness. And he's been a heavy voice in climate change, you know, um, as recently as like the Australian fires, uh, work in Brazil and the Amazon. He's always, you know, come out against that. Um, You know, if you follow him on Instagram, almost the only stuff he posts is about the environment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he, yeah. Every post from him is just like, whoever's doing his melting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely not him. Yeah, sure. But he's given the okay. Um, yeah. So over the years, he sat on the board of the World Wildlife Fund, the original WWF. <laughs> Global Greenpeace USA and the International Fund for Animal Welfare. He was named a U.S. Messenger of Peace on Climate Change in 2014. And he has spoken at the United Nations in 2016 um, before the signing of the Paris Climate Agreement, which you talked about, um, to uh, combat global warming. So he, like, kind of spoke right before that was signed to introduce it. And this was kind of shocking to me. He even met with President Trump to try to get his... On the Paris Climate Agreement when Trump got out of it, but obviously Trump did not. No way. He's like, mm-hmm. no, get Kim Kardashian in here. Yes. I'll, I'll listen yes. to her. He's but Leonardo Leo, DiCaprio, no. <laughs> then I would <laughs> yeah. <easily. laughs> If you were a hot female, yes, whatever you want. <laughs> but I was pretty surprised by that because I, I don't feel like other people like Mark Ruffalo, who we'll be getting into, would be meeting with Trump, you know? But Leo was like, let me try to get his ear, you know? Wow. Okay. Um, So in 2018, um, Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation announced an $11 million uh, in new grants that were for um, pledged to the nonprofit's six main programs, which are wildlands conservation, oceans conservation, climate change, indigenous rights, California, and innovative solutions. So that's great um and it brought the organization's total financial impact to over a hundred million dollars and in 2019 the foundation became part of earth alliance a super organization co-chaired by leo and um the pools of the resources of several funds to further the fight against climate change and attacks on biodiversity um and he was one of the very first big movie stars you saw driving a Prius. So. Oh my God. Yes. I will never forget, like, him and Steve Wozniak. Yes. 
just like I'm the purposely getting pulled over so people could know that you could still drive fast in a Prius and it's not like losery to drive a Prius. <laughs> no. He was out there, number one, loving his Prius. Um yes. I really like this quote that he told Rolling Stone in 2016. He said about the environment, he said, I am consumed by this. There isn't a couple of hours a day where I am not thinking about it. It's a slow burn. It's not like aliens invading our planet next week and we have to get up and fight to defend our country. But this is an inevitable thing. And it's so terrifying. So kind of. Oh, my God, it is. Like, it's the long term, you know, it's not what's going to happen to us today. But if you're thinking about future generations, about our children, you know, whatnot, about just everything you love in general, like you have to fight for this. Yeah, wow. I love that. And God, I know. Uh, Watching any, I mean, how can you watch any of these documentaries or or shows about the environment and just be like, Mm -hmm. Okay, but you do. You go, uh, you like back to your life. The sa- I mean, we recycle. We, I mean, I don't drive immediate. anywhere besides it's the grocery immediate. store anymore. But mm-hmm. yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I know. It is. It's like you have to do it for the next generation. Yeah, and it's everybody now is just so like instant gratification. You want everything now. Now, I mean, with Amazon and everything, it's like. Yeah, just the culture. so immediate, yeah. So just know that when Leo is not thinking about supermodels, he's thinking about the Earth guys, okay? (laughs) Every hour of the day, he says. When he's not staring at one of his Victoria's Secret model girlfriends, he's thinking about climate change, so we commend you. And he's putting his money where his mouth is, and and so good for him. Yes, you know what? These billionaires, all the... Richer getting richer by like a ridiculous amount. It's mm. extreme wealth. It's so bad. Yeah. Like the class they wars should are be... coming. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. We need to get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get our armor. Okay. So the next person is probably just right up there with Leo. I feel like um, she's another queen of ours, which I think we'll probably do like a whole episode on oh, someday. Yeah. Uh, the one, the only Jane Fonda. (sighs) Love her. Just a queen. An actual living legend, Jane Fonda. So she is a two-time Oscar winner and longtime political activist. If you, like, remember the famous, famous photo of her being arrested, like, doing the power to the people salute, like, they called her Hanoi Jane during the, you know, Vietnam War because she opposed that, like, for as big as a celebrity that she is, that she has never let that stop her and her image, you know, for fighting for what's right, and that's why I just, like, respect her so much. Um, She was actually married to, um, her second husband was the late liberal California state legislature, um, Representative Tom Hayden, who was oh. also in the trial of the Chicago Seven. If anyone saw that on Netflix, oh he's God. like the main guy in that. So he, after that, he became a big environmental um, supporter in California and in the state legislature, and they were married. So, oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, cool. Fun fact. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So she's making the most of her golden years, right? She's like in her 80s now. Um, She teamed up with Greenpeace USA to launch Fire Drill Fridays in 2019, a weekly climate change protest on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And if you follow her on Instagram, you saw that she and her famous friends were getting arrested like every week. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know that was called Fire Drill Fridays. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's her campaign, kind of, is, like, fire. Okay, okay. Yeah, so every Friday, they would go out there. I think during COVID, they took it online, um, but she was getting arrested. She was getting really big celebrities, like her friends, like Lily Tomlin, Sam Watterson, Ted Danson, and Joaquin Phoenix out there with her. Yes, I I do remember the Ted dance. I think, like, I don't know if it was the first one where she was like arrested with Ted Dance but that one like distinctly stands out in my there's like a famous picture of her like holding her hands and zip ties like above her head and like sticking out you know um 
So great. And she's like 80s, you guys, but she's also a fitness queen, so she can handle yes. it. Um, <laughs> yeah. She's got this. She's got this. Yes. She's better than me in my 30s. Jesus. Yes. So, um, yeah, she's been continuing it online from her home in L.A. during COVID. Um, and it said that this is what she said about that COVID-19 overlaps with what we need to do in the face of the climate crisis, a very strong, robust healthcare system with equipment and the ability to foresee pandemics when they're coming and have emergency standby shelters and equipment and things like that. Mm. Um, Pandemics are going to be coming. There's no question. Are they, there's no question of, are they going to come? So it's also kind of like an equity issue as well. Environmental issue. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there's, it's like, oh, there used to be like all these wild wildfires, you know, whatever. But it's like, now there's like several huge wildfires, like in California every year. Mm-hmm. And it, it's mm-hmm. so scary. It's so scary. Oh, and every year it's worse. Like, I mean, anywhere they are, like anywhere there's climate related things, it's just getting worse, you yep. know, each yep. year. So she's out fighting the good fight. Love her. Like I said, we'll probably definitely do a episode on her someday because there's so much more we can get into, but just know that fighting for the environment is a big part of Jane Fonda's life. Follow her on Instagram uh, for workout tips and environmental tips. (laughs) (laughs) My two favorite things. Yes. Okay. So the next one, we're going to go across the pond and talk about sting um, and in 28 or 2008, he told the Huffington Post, we saw for ourselves the dire consequences of disrupting the delicate balances between man and nature. Um, mm. And he has a fund. And the main purpose of that is to financially support living uh, people living in and near the rainforest so their lives can continue to be economically mm. sustainable. Good for him. Okay, mm-hmm. Sting. Okay, Sting. And his wife, Trudy, is a big part of this as well. Um, and she shared at the time, uh, back when he had this interview in 2008, that over the years, our work has grown and expanded to 18 countries ac- across three continents. The foundation has protected over 115,000 square kilometers of rainforest, including the des- um, demarcation of an area the size of Switzerland, which is mm-hmm. 41,000 square kilometers in mm-hmm. Brazil. Um, and that was in 1994 mm-hmm. and they preserved it by law from any, you know, um, destruction, which is amazing. Wow. And their current projects aim to save nearly 1 million square kilometers of rainforest. And that's an area that is the combined size of the United Kingdom, Ireland, and France. Wow. So. Good for him. Okay. Tantric sex sting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also really into tantric sex. So what a guy. Which is making their relationship last longer. Their love for the environment and tantric sex. (laughs) I know. Really, what a combo. What a winning combo. Oh, my gosh. So the next one, I figure, is another famous person that everybody knows, an environmentalist. He makes it known. Mark Ruffalo, actor. Mark Ruffalo. Um, so this article said, when he's not seeing green as the Hulk, he's <laughs> seeing green oh. to help the earth. Oh, God, that's so corny. That's like something I would write. <laughs> right. Um, so he founded the clean water organization Water Defense in 2010 and has been unafraid to criticize politicians on both sides of the aisle from warmongering, economic inequality, and inaction on what he sees as the most dire threats to our environment um fracking hydraulic fracking yes yes oh my god very outspoken about that um and fracking if you don't know is the drilling into rock with pressurized liquid to extract natural gas so like a lot of people do think oh it's natural gas you know it's It's natural no yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. just because it says natural does not mean it's good Yes. So he's like so outspoken and he's, he's like the first to call out people. Like, I don't know if you remember when Ellen and George W. Bush were at the baseball game together and she's like, like, people from both sides, like he's my friend, blah, blah, blah. And Mark Ruffo was like the first celeb on Twitter to be like, George W. Bush is awful and a warmonger. Yes. be he knew him. he knew we need to cancel Ellen. He knew before all of us. Yes, 
He did. Yeah. He called it. Um, so he said, the good news is we don't need superhero strength to protect our planet. Um, he said this in 2015 in an essay. We need education and a collective grassroots movement that is well underway. As students across the country walk across graduation stages, wrestling with what comes next, I want to remind all of them of the power they have and the responsibility they bear. Oh, Which is so I true because we all have this responsibility. It's all on us, you know. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a celebrity, rich or not, like there are little things you can do. Um, and then in 2019, uh, he was starred in the film Dark Waters, in which he played real-life lawyer um, Rob Billot, the corporate attorney who switched sides and took on DuPont after learning that chemical runoff was poisoning a farmer's livestock. Um, and it was years on the making passion project for him. You know, he had been studying this for a long time, wanting to bring this story to life, um, which I have not seen it, but now I definitely want to. And, um, yeah, so he's just been using his artistry, his voice, and everything for a long time to, you know, raise awareness. And it's cool that he's taking on projects like that, you know, which also I'm, like, thinking now Aaron Brockovich and, like, I really should have talked about that. (laughs) Well, you just did, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this next person, I didn't know she was an environmentalist, and this kind of makes me respect her more, and that is Daryl Hannah, um, the model. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. So she was in the movie Splash, um, The Mermaid. You know, she played a mermaid back in the day, and that's probably maybe her best well-known role. And she says that she has been, like, arrested more times than she can count for protesting environmental injustice. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Which Which, is also, like, if you're a famous actress or whatever, you can do stuff like that. Like, you're still going to get hired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're not just, like, a teacher or something who you have to be afraid of, like, oh, God, I'm going to lose my job, you know? Like, good for her. Yeah. But you also don't see, like, Leo out there getting arrested either, you know? Like, she's putting herself on the front lines, like yeah. Jane Fonda is, like Mark Ruffalo is, you know, and, like, dealing with the consequences. And I think when you get to a certain point also in your career, you're like, fuck it. I don't really care. I'm doing what I yeah. care about now, you know? But I haven't also, ever- like, if you're Leonardo DiCaprio, you can't just be, like, out on the streets. No. Yeah, I mean, not like, when the like, Academy has denied you an Oscar for so long. <laughs> working towards yeah. that Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Uh, So she says of her arrest that generally I end up taking pictures with the sheriffs at the station. Um, She's like, I do get singled out, not necessarily in good ways. The times I've been put in jail, I'm always in solitary confinement because they think, oh, she must be the ringleader. Um, It's partly to protect me from the drunks and the murderers, but it's kind of scary and boring being in solitary. God. Um, she's a vegan and she's been a vegan since she was 11 years old. Wow. So, uh, and she was also, um, you know, a, you know, like it says, Priyashmias, Hannah was one of the first big celebs you heard of tricking out her car to run on recycled biodiesel. So nice. she didn't nice. even go for the hybrid. She went full throttle. Full biodiesel. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Surprise. Little surprise Daryl Hannah in there. So the next one is um, Edward Norton. And um, in 2014, he was People's Climate March. uh, Oh, he attended the People's Climate March with his like-minded friend, Leo, and other like-minded friends like Mark Ruffalo. They were all there. Um, And in 2008, he was the actor and narrator of the documentary Strange Days on Planet Earth, which was named a United Nations and was named a United Nations Goodwill Ambassador for Biodiversity in 2010. Okay. Um, he works with the Maasai Wilderness Conservation Trust, which is working on forest preservation through the trading of carbon credits and is on the board of the Conservation Lands Foundation, uh, which was fo- uh, founded by his father, Edward Mower Norton Jr., who was an environmental lawyer and a federal prosecutor during the Carter administration. So it like runs in his blood, basically, to be an environmentalist. Okay. Wasn't 
Wasn't there like a problematic thing with Ed Norton? Edward no, Norton probably. <laughs> I don't know. Like he's like super difficult to work with. Or, I mean, listen. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care if he's difficult to work with. If he's doing all these things for the environment, then that's fine. As long as he's yeah. not like, you no. Know, I um, can see that. Um, he says, all the roots work. of my engagement with the challenge of the environmental conservation lie in my upbringing and the inspiration of my father's passion for that work. Uh, that's what he said in 2019. My father is one of the great conservation strategists, activists, and doers of his generation. And to a significant degree, it became our family's unifying work. So nice. Okay. So that's a whole family affair. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the last one I have is Joaquin Phoenix, because I think we all remember when he accepted his Oscar for the Joker and talked about cows. (laughs) Like Yes. I did not watch the Oscars. Uh, like I wasn't watching it live, but you bet your ass the next day when I heard about this, I was like Googling the shit out of the clip for that acceptance speech because it was the only thing people were talking about. It was the only thing. And he uses his platform, right? He knew he was going to win this yeah. Oscar. He got up there, talked about animal rights. Um, Soon after this eye-opening speech about the treatment of cows, he actually personally arranged for a cow who had just given birth to her calf to be removed from a slaughterhouse and transported to a farm sanctuary in California to live out their days together. Oh, my God. And, well, we know that he is a product of a cult family. (laughs) Oh, yes. Like, he lived in, like, this cult, which was, like, We'll do a whole living off the land, Mm -hmm. and so I can see that 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 was a vegan situation. So I'm not surprised that he's a lifelong, yeah, lifelong vegan. Yeah, which is great. I wish I could be vegan. God. Yes. Oh, I know, right? So the owner of this slaughterhouse, after this happened, actually said that they hadn't known the cow was pregnant, and it's not their practice to separate calves from their mothers, yada, yada, yada. But like, Oh, yeah, okay. Joaquin was like, this one cow, he like saved this one cow. It's crazy. Um, Yes. So this is what his sister said. Definitely his own humanity is more important. Um, about and she talked about her brother's lack of concern for whether uh, what he says is you know like accepted by the Hollywood crowd she said and it's more important to him as well he was very courageous to stand there in front of those people he was shaking each time he's won an award this season he's focused on something whether it's animals climate change me too or gender equality Um, so that was hard you know that he just gets it you know like that's somebody who just gets like, but it's almost like kind of like, um, it's like can torment people too, because they realize how much, uh, I don't even know, like how much I get what you're saying. Like he like does not care about being famous or celebrity or anything like that you know like he really doesn't he cares about like these bigger issues and is trying to like right. use his voice for that so he wouldn't care if he ever got hired in another film again I don't think you know if someone was like oh I don't like what you said about cows you know right right yeah yeah but it's almost like like someone like that it's it's like they take it on like so it's like so heavy on them almost that it almost can like torment them where uh, I don't know I don't know you can just see that that like he's like almost a tortured soul kind of because it's like he can feel so deeply how much like the environment matters and all this stuff like and he has an actual platform So he probably feels the pressure of like, okay, I have a platform. I'm going to use it. But also then like, should I, like his sister was saying, she was, he was like shaking, giving the speech, like, you know. Still scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. Coming out. I I don't know. Yeah. Being vulnerable. (laughs) It's like, like I said about Leo, he's like, he personally said he thinks about this every like hour of the day, you know. So whether 
we think they're off like, you know, doing their thing in St. Bart's or whatever, you know, yes, obviously they have the money to do that, but some people really take this on as like a heavy passion and, and Joaquin Phoenix is definitely one of them and he's using his platform. I think he's also made a point of it this, you know, not this last year, but when he was up for the Joker in, um, I think it was 2019, he you know, had kind of been weird, like, a few years before that. Remember when he was doing that, like, weird, like, mockumentary with Casey Affleck and just being, like, a Yeah. And he's, like, kind of matured since then, too, and, like, addressed that. So now he's, like, using his, like, he's being more mature and just using his platform for important things instead of, like... Yeah. I mean, he's definitely different. Like, he was not brought up in a traditional Mm -hmm. setting and, um... He's an artist, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. is different. He is not gonna fit in with everything that's going on in Hollywood now, you know. So that can I can just see that that's could be like a recipe for disaster. But I think, yeah, I think maybe focusing more on like the environment and all that, maybe that's like a good kind of outlet for him. Yeah, and maybe you know, he'll take on. Because if you're, on... like, a famous actor and you don't care about fame and stuff, you just, like, mm-hmm. love to act and you're good at it. That's but what I was going to say. Like, he can just, like, act for his passion but then use the perks that come with it to address real right. issues. Yeah. Right. So maybe he he's found finally a way to, like, do that maybe or something. Because he that's does really seem smart more. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I love him. I love him. I don't care what anyone says about him. I love him. (laughs) No, yeah. I mean, I think he's great. I think all these people on this list are so great. You know, I like them for their own projects as actors and celebrities, but I also love that they are using their platform for good and they love the earth. We love the earth. So we love them. So I just wanted to shout out a few of those celebs. I know there's a lot more, um, you know, like people like Shailene Woodley was on the list. Robert Redford. I just couldn't get to them all but um look into it if you want to and support their foundations i know yeah it's really guys seriously we gotta take care of the earth we have to so today's earth day so go do something good for the environment don't drive your car like i don't know plant something in your garden You know, go pick up trash on the side of the road. Even like in our yard, trash gets blown in from like, if it's, if it's garbage day and it's windy and people leave their garbage outside, like overnight, it gets blown over. And then, you know, just picking up trash like that, it makes such a difference. Um, You know, if everybody did that. Yeah. yeah, And if everybody did just a little bit, it's, it does make a difference. So don't think that it doesn't because it does. Yeah. So do it. Do good. Love nature. Love Mother Earth. She's been there for you. So we need to like thank her. Um, you know, look into environmental policies, to Kahoda Access Pipeline, all that. Like, how can we make this like a better planet for our older selves, our future generations, you know? So yeah. these are some people. Yes. Fighting the good fight. They might be murderers, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. There is, um, I'm sure, like ideas on earthday.org too. So if you have little ones, you can get them involved too. So that's always like a fun thing. Start them young, like Joaquin. (laughs) Yeah, what happened? We all celebrated Earth Day in elementary school, like you said, and then like nothing really continued on. So let's bring that back. Let's do it. You know, let's get the young ones involved. The children are our future. So. Yeah. And I think they're, they're like making a comeback of, you know, it is that next generation of, you know, we all know Greta and. Yes. Yes. So hopefully we're teaching these kids right. And, you know, we need to be the example for them. So yes, Earth, we love you. We love our listeners. Yes, we'll be back next week with a new series. So tune in for that. This was just a special episode. So we'll get back to our regular programming. And you'll want to tune in for that um, on Wednesdays. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas of famous people, places, things you would like us to talk about, we're on Instagram at famous Kate and Liz, Kate with a C, and on Gmail. Um, 
famouskaitandliz at gmail.com. So we want to hear from you. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and tell a friend for sure. But if you also have ideas for like upcoming special episodes, we usually like to, you know, coincide them with holidays. So just let us know. We would love to do that as well. Yeah, we love to do a little collab. Give us a little collab to do. Um, we love you guys. Go pick up some trash. Do something good for the earth. <laughs> Not just Drink today, every day too. Drink, yeah. Drink some nice, clean, fresh water. Oh God, there's just so many things you can do. So get involved. We love you, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.